previously on Film Code. The losing streak continues. It was blue. It came out between 2012 and 2019. The lead is in the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's a mystery. Uh, the movie I got is from 2017. Uh, the actor who was in the Grand Budapest Hotel, I went with Willem Dafoe. And, uh, mystery? Well, this is a murder mystery, so I actually went with Murder on the Orient Express. I went with 2016's Manhattan Night. The movie that I went with is Motherless Brooklyn. Oh, motherfucker! <laughs> Will the guys be able to bounce back this week with a brand new code word from Brandon? Yes, my, uh, my film code was green. Um, it was a comedy film from the year 1990 to 2000. And one of the stars in the movie had a breakout role. And uh, one of the stars from Shrek had a breakout role in that movie. Plus, the guys return to the spinning wheel to review more films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And their first ever review of Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. What's up, guys? Welcome to Film Code. Thanks for listening to us. Got a great show here for you in Star Wars and MCU. Let's kick it off with my co-host joining me today. First off, he made us late. We're recording about a, a half hour later than normal because he was in bed. <laughs> What's up, Phoenix? <laughs> What's going on, guys? Sorry about the delay. Uh, I was actually up late watching Star Wars, so that's part of the reason why I'm late. Uh, but happy to be here. Happy to join you guys again. Uh, ready to talk film. Let's do it. We're glad you're with us. Thank, mm -hmm. thank you for blessing us with your uh, waking <laughs> up. Brandon, what's going on, man? Good morning, everybody. Um, it's good to be back um, a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be able to talk some cinema with you guys again. Um, I put a pretty good film code um, <laughs> word out there. So I'm excited to see what they guess later on in the show. And yeah, I'm ready to talk some Star Wars with you guys. So yeah. Last but least, joining us, special guest host, my good friend, KJ. What's up, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, how's it going, guys? I appreciate you guys letting me come on and talk some cinema with you. Uh, I've been listening to you guys, very entertaining, so hopefully I could add to you guys' show. Well, no doubt you will. I love that you got the uh, Marvel shirt on, Brandon's got the Star Wars shirt on. We came prepared today. I, I guess I got this for, for Spider-Man, <laughs> maybe. Nice. Nonetheless, we, uh, we're ready to go, guys. My name's Nathan Pig, like I said. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at FilmCodePod. We do a ton of stuff to try and interact with you guys. We got a lot of questions uh, here today that we'll answer in a little bit, so... Thank you for that. Without further ado, let's get started talking Star Wars. So we will be talking spoilers. This is only for Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, not for that entire trilogy, not for Star Wars in general. 
Um, we do have a couple people in here who have not seen all of Star Wars, which not saying that is good or bad, just a fact. <laughs> um, and yeah, so this is a spoiler talk of episode four, A New Hope. And I would be crazy if I didn't let Brandon take this away because this is his bread and butter. Brandon, why don't you start us off? Um, so yeah, Star Wars A New Hope. <clears throat> Um, as a kid, I didn't enjoy it as much. I thought I was like, man, this is kind of boring. I, I just want to see the saber fight. <laughs> and as I grew up, I'm like, okay, this movie is really good. Um, Luke's getting his first introduction to the universe, basically. He's never left Tatooine, just like Anakin, um, which I won't dip into spoilers too much of that. Um, but yeah, you're like like, Obi- like Obi-Wan says, Ben Kenobi says, you're, you've taken your first first step into a larger world. You have two amazing heroes introduced, well, three, but talking about Luke and Leia right here. They're introduced quite well, actually. You have the farm boy, Luke, who whose hero's journey, who's like basically on the hero's journey path of, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to leave Tatooine. I'm fine here. And then something pulls him right in after Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen die. And then you have Leia, who's introduced really, really well, as well as this under undercover spy for the rebellion, and she's like exposed immediately by the menacing Darth Vader, who has one of the best villain intros aside from Thanos. Um, so yeah, but overall, this film was fantastic. I can't wait to get more into this. I just wanted to talk about my two, my two, one of my two favorite characters of the of the trilogy. So, yeah. All right. So, KJ, you are a, a first time watcher of of this film. So, take it away, my man. What you think? Yes, sir. So, actually, just watched it very, very recently. Um, watched it kind of late, so a little tired. With it being a little slower pace to me. Um, Felt it a little difficult to pay attention to watch. Um, so notice that oh, I might have been falling asleep. So maybe let me rewind and make sure I wasn't missing anything. Uh, so I had to do that a couple of times. But overall, I think I mean one of my favorite things about the movie was probably the introduction of two characters that weren't human. Um, and starting out with that, because that is not something that's very common. Um, so R2-D2 and C-3PO, I believe, I'm on. Mm-hmm. On, on my track. Okay, so I, I was paying a little bit of attention, a little bit of attention. Um, so I think that that is something that was very, very interesting to me, and that intrigued me, like, off to start. Um, building that connection with them uh, was, was very interesting, and I hear that they're there until the end. Um, so I'm kind of interested in seeing how, how that all plays out in their journey. Yeah, this is, this is a little bit of a fun and unique situation here, because we got two of us that you know, are, are very well versed in, in Star Wars and the whole franchise. And then the other two of us are uh, still haven't gone along for the ride yet, but are still aware of some of the things that are going on. So that's, uh, that's a fun journey. We'll have to reconvene in, in sometime in the next few months and, and see where we're all at. But Phoenix, I'm excited to hear what you think. You were, you were teasing me last night as far as telling me your thoughts, but I'm glad you waited till now. So what do you think? Right, so uh, I had actually seen this a while ago, and when we said we were going to discuss it, I rewatched it again last uh, yesterday. Um, I loved it the first time I saw it, but then the second time, I was like, I really love this movie. It's just, like, it's such, like, if you've never 
dove into this world like me, uh, it's a, such a great introduction to this world. You know what I'm saying? And like, for some reason, I'm watching it and I'm watching it on my cell phone on Disney Plus in 2020. And yet I'm like, I could totally feel the excitement of like 1977. Like when this movie dropped and why everyone was like, this is the craziest, greatest thing ever. We have to go back to the movie 22 times and see this again. And it played in theaters for like three years because they only had like three movies at one time back then. So like, I could just totally see how people immerse themselves into this world, into this idea and just became enamored with it. So like the first movie does what I think most franchises have trouble doing now is it really hooks you and makes you go, I got to get more out of this. So mm-hmm. I really dug it. Well, I, I always find it funny when you say you watch things on your phone. So thank <laughs> you for that, that nugget. This is <laughs> obviously must work for you if you keep going back to it. So, yeah. um, Brandon, I know you have more thoughts. Yeah. Um, like, like, KJ, uh, like KJ said, um, yeah, <clears throat> they had R2D2 and C3PO as the opening characters of the movie which I thought was fantastic because um, they essentially are R2 is essentially the MacGuffin of the film. Vader is trying to get R2-D2 the droids so he can get the Death Star plans back. So them being introduced as a MacGuffin like immediately, it's like, it reminds me of Infinity War when like you have Thanos in the opening 30 seconds of the film just like reveal the power stone almost immediately and you just know he's after all of these things. Which I, I which I love that, um, but yeah, um, Chewbacca is also a fantastic character. Han Solo, his character arc, I won't dip too much into spoilers, but you you will love his character arc throughout this entire trilogy. Um, I gotta ask for uh, Phoenix and KJ, was it a little tough picking up on on some of the jargon they use, some of the space jargon? especially this is a, a first and second time watch for you guys. Was it like, what are you talking about? Or not really? Uh, not so much for me. Uh, you know, like I, I've always had this philosophy when I'm, when I'm watching any movie is that, uh, you know, as long as you set it up, I, I, I pretty much, I accept whatever is the starting premise of your story automatically. Like, that's just what I do. So like, if you tell me, hey, we're, we're a murder mystery, sweet, I'm buckled in for a murder mystery, right? You tell me it's a, it's a sci-fi space epic, sweet, I bu- I'm buckled in for that. So like, I don't like, you know, the only thing that you could do at that point is just not follow through on your premise. And then I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm out, you know what I'm saying? So like, so for me, you know, all, all the things, especially on second viewing, I saw, a lot more I got a lot more context from just like the names of the places and you know I understood Jedi mind tricking <laughs> I caught that that was cool so yeah uh, yeah it was cool for me yeah I think um it was also very cool so I'm one of those people when I watch movies I try to find like all the little things and all the little details and figure out what everything means because more than likely stuff has like a deeper meaning I'm a behind like what they're doing or what they're saying. So going through it, especially with one of my friends that already has seen um, all of the movies and like me being able to, well, one of the things I thought was cool was like me being able to point characters out and be like, oh, 
that's Layla or, oh, that's Han Solo before like they even introduced themselves. But it's like, I've never seen these movies, but they're still like a part of me because it's such a big thing in like our lives um, and mm-hmm. you know, childhoods and things like that. So I thought that that was like really cool. Like, oh, like I've kind of seen Star Wars. I don't know everything that's happened, but like I know these characters. And then now that I like I'm actually getting to see them, it's like really, really cool. So, yeah. Um, one thing I will say for the both of you, after you guys finish the original trilogy, I highly recommend watching Empire Dreams. It's a documentary on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's a complete documentary of how they created the original trilogy. And you just have to see the amount of effort and the amount of like struggles that George Lucas went through making this film. He's, he had to do countless reshoots. He had... It's a lot. You... He... He he was like having anxiety attacks, panic attacks. His doctor was like, "I'm surprised you haven't had a heart attack yet, dude." It, you, I highly recommend watching this documentary. So yeah, um, have you seen it, Nathan? I have. Yes, I watched it this summer, and that's a great watch as well. Phoenix, I know you specifically would love that because you're a huge doc guy. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll have to check that out. But yeah, I mean, I just want to touch on a couple of things. Um, that we were talking about earlier, the jargon was definitely something that I struggle with. I struggle with characters' names just in general. Like, we'll be watching the most basic movie for an hour, and I'll turn to Nick, and I'll be like, what are these characters' names? I remember. Who, who is that? So, with all the star- the jargon of Tatooine and General Tarkin and all this, <laughs> it took, like, you know, me to be 21 years old to finally understand all of the names and everything. So, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, But the other thing, Phoenix, you brought up too, that they, this played in the theater for three years and my dad, shout out to uh, my dad, who's a listener to this show, worked at a movie theater, worked at a movie theater and when Star Wars opened and he frequently tells stories about how long the lines were that there'd be sellouts every night. People would come and wait in line and not even get in the theater. Um, So just absolutely crazy stories. Um, And it's absolutely worth it. So what is your guys' favorite scene inside of this single movie? And um, I'm sorry, but I'm going to start with Brandon again, just because he's got (laughs) a little more, uh, you know, knowledge uh, under his belt on this. I'm going to have to say when it's just when the, the part where it's a super tense scene where Darth Vader is about to shoot Luke out of the sky mm. and prevent him from blowing up the Death Star. Han Solo comes in, shoots a TIE fighter. He's like, what? Boom. Another TIE fighter dies. Darth Vader gets spun out of control. You're all clear, kid. Let's blow this thing and go home. The best scene because you don't expect Han Solo to come back. Han Solo's like, okay, I'm gonna leave with my reward. And then you have you have him coming back, and then boom, the best star blows up. The best scene in that film. Phoenix, what about you, man? Uh, that is tough. I think I think Brandon stole my answer. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, nothing I, I, wrong with I think, <laughs> yeah, I think it's that, man, because I like even when I saw it the second time, I totally forgot that Han Solo comes back. I was like, oh, yeah, that's sweet. And uh, just, you know, having Obi-Wan telling them, like, use the force, you know, and actually that entire scene, the entire battle uh, against the Death Star is so cool. Like, it's, it's really, like, cool. 
like especially on second viewing because i was like oh i'm understanding their 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 formation patterns and i'm understanding what uh they're actually aiming for and how they're gonna do this i just thought it was awesome like yeah so i unfortunately i hate to be bandwagon but yeah i'm going with that same scene <laughs> we prefer you to be bandwagon for as different as you normally are on this show. right right <laughs> um we'll, we'll take that kj what about you um definitely a great scene that they just spoke on i might have to go with the um the trash compactor when everybody um, was like put up in there um very i don't know just had me sweating even me knowing that like these characters have to make it out of here just based off my like general knowledge of the series and right. <laughs> but still like okay what's about to happen to like these four main characters and they're like basically about to die um, with the walls closing in on them and i could just see like how like everybody was stressed and then you know they made it out <laughs> which was <laughs> great to see but during the time um in the heat of the moment, it was definitely something that like stuck out to me. And I feel like that was like the turn of the movie too, because that's when stuff like really started to get going. Yeah. For me personally, my favorite scene has to be um, Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. I knew you were going to pick that scene. <laughs> um, for listeners of the show that are familiar with Star Wars, obviously uh, knows why I'm saying that. <laughs> for our two guys right here, that's all I'm going to say. But um, love that scene because of what it just means for Star Wars in general. And, you know, when you guys see some other films, you will see what I mean with that. Now, Um, Nathan, okay, non-spoilery, was this your favorite scene before you saw the rest of the films? Or was this your favorite? Okay. (laughs) So I think that, and this is is non-spoilery for for anyone out there and for our two guys right here. I've always thought that Obi-Wan in just A New Hope alone, mm-hmm. in just episode four, I thought that Obi-Wan is just a complete putz, total throwaway, <laughs> doesn't do anything, but just farts around. And I'm like, what is everyone's obsession with Obi-Wan? You should watch the Clone Wars, man. He and goes like, through some geez. like heavy stuff. Because everyone, all these Star Wars fans are always like, Obi-Wan, oh my god, Obi-Wan. And it's like, geez, he doesn't do anything. What are you guys obsessed with? And then you go back and you watch episodes one, two, and three. And Obi-Wan is is one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite Star Wars character now, because of those prequels. So um, definitely watch Shout out to the prequels. Shout out to the prequels. Uh, Brandon and I are big prequel fans, which, Mm. you know, we're definitely in the minority on that one. Um, But Regardless, the prequels, to answer your question, Brandon, uh, the prequels made me love Obi-Wan and made me appreciate a lot of what happens in, in A New Hope a little more, which is just credit for for George Lucas and the writing team to be able to... Nick and I talk about this all the time. Obviously, the original trilogy came out 20, 30 years before mm-hmm. the prequels. But if you remove CGI, you remove you know um, all that stuff, and you just read the scripts as if you were reading a book... You would think that the prequels were written before, just the stories they tell. So it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but sticking with this movie, I want to talk about the introduction of Han Solo. Um, that's obviously an iconic scene with the in the cantina with the music. Um, Phoenix, I'm gonna start with you. You got some stuff to say about that. 
that that might actually compete for my second favorite scene in the movie uh and i'm gonna be honest uh i went on uh obviously i've only seen the first two movies in the star wars franchise uh i hate han solo in the second movie i absolutely do um but in this one I, i like it is amazing how much i love this character in the first movie compared to how much I hate him in the second. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. But in that scene, like, dude, he's just so, so great. Like, he, he's confident, he's arrogant, he's smart, you know what I'm saying? He he beats back Greedo, you know what I'm saying? And he's just, and I love that place where it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, a guy will get his arm chopped off, another guy gets shot in the belly, and everybody's just like, eh. <laughs> hey, but, but who shot first, Han or but, Greedo? I think Greedo shot first. Oh no 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 no! Uh, I think no, no, he did. No 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 no! <laughs> That's a special edition change. Ah uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a couple. I watched a video on Twitter um, where they're interviewing Han Solo. I'm sorry, when they're interviewing Harrison Ford. <laughs> Harrison Ford. And they're like, they're like, so answer the question that the fandom will never stop asking: Who Ooh. shot first? You or Greedo? And he's like, um, I don't care. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so funny. And like the look at his eyes isn't like I'm joking or anything. He's just like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, so um, the, the, ahead, some context of the special edition though. Um, 1977, the original film right. had Han shooting first. And then the and then it cut to the special edition in 1997. They had the, the special edition change to where Greedo shoots first, and then Han shoots immediately after. People were pissed about that. So in the 2011 um, Blu-ray, they had him shoot at the same time. Mm. And then now, in the Disney Plus version, they added a random line to Greedo, Makunky. Out of nowhere, they I don't know if you guys knew about this, but they, they added a random line of Greedo saying Makunky out of nowhere. Okay. And, and then they both fire at the same time. It's just been, it's been through a constant set of changes that's weird <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know what george lucas was thinking yeah so do you guys think that this movie overall holds up as far as obviously they have made a lot of changes there's a youtube video you can look up to see the changes that they've made through all the editions like brandon was just talking about it's like a 20 minute video or something like that but it's well worth the watch um Obviously, that aids it from looking ridiculously old. But at the end of the day, do you think this movie holds up? Uh, KJ, we'll start with you. I definitely do believe that it holds up. Um, I can totally see, like, 1977. Parents were born around that age, so they were able to, like, get to know Star Wars a little bit and to see, like, how that movie just does overall. Um, and me being able to watch it now in 2020 and still being like, yeah, I want to watch the rest of them and see what happens. I think that that really speaks to what Star Wars has to offer, and especially this movie coming out so long ago, 43 years ago, whatever it may be, um, and still being able to get viewers like me that's 21 years old, that's never seen Star Wars, heard about Star Wars, heard about other things going on with Star Wars, but I was never like interested in Star Wars. But for them to get me interested in Star Wars from a movie that was shot 43 years ago is very amazing to me. So I do feel like it most definitely holds up to, to the hype and uh, it deserves the respect that it gets. It's very well said. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, 
um, definitely holds up. Um, like I will say this, some of the special edition shots, like even some of the special edition changes, they just make the film look more vibrant and well done. So yeah, this film definitely holds up. Even even for a film that, like just, I, I, I know people don't say this enough, but John Williams is literally the secret Ooh. sauce of Star Wars. Because without him, I don't think this film would have worked. So, props wow. to John Williams. Wow. And- <laughs> it's, it's not bold at all to say John Williams' score is, is wonderful, but to say right. it wouldn't hold it, that's a See, bold statement. Just, <laughs> just, think of, just think of having some, uh, some other director, uh, not a director, composer, that does just random synth music. What, do you think that would fit? Synth obviously wouldn't fit in Star Wars. It's it's such a classical opera of a film that you need strings, you need chords in mm-hmm. order to tell that story. So like I would hope if you're if you're a composer worth your salt, you would know that and like and like you know go accordingly. Uh John Williams obviously he you know he scored some of the best movies of all time. So uh, you know obvious yeah you know what i'm saying so it, mm-hmm. it'd be hard pressed to to get anyone better but yeah and plus george lucas himself even said like he was like yeah this film would not have worked without john williams wow but but yeah uh, definitely huge props to john williams but yeah um this film definitely holds up i want to break a common misconception of star wars for just anyone out there who's wondering um stormtroopers are not <laughs> that bad at shooting they're not um people people who watch this film probably think man they suck at shooting they're awful common misconception probably the biggest misconception in star wars is that stormtroopers are bad at shooting they were intentionally missing um yep. so that luke and the gang could get back on the ship so that they could track them to the bigger hideout bigger plans uh so misconception Great helmet, Brandon, for a video version. We'll see that. Love it. Um, they were they were missing on purpose. So, I mean, I get you could argue that definitely in the in the uh, cantina escape scene, but like throughout the movie, like in, it, especially on first viewing, I was like, "Whoa, look, <laughs> these guys suck." I mean, like not just not just the stormtroopers. I'm like, even the rebellion. I was like, what? The- Aim like this is terrible. Uh, I mean, in the beginning, they just lay waste to everybody. Right. I mean, it's 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 really kind of cool because it's like you got all these people running, you got people firing. It's it's a great visual, but like, yeah, if you're if you're like a person who shoots for a living, that would drive you crazy. Like, what? Aim like it's not aim. Damn it. But like, uh, I think. Somebody says, I know I caught this on the second viewing. Somebody says, like, Blaster's really sort of a clunky weapon. And so, like, I don't feel like, you know what I'm saying, it's the, it's, they, I think they put that in there just to, you know, help. But, uh, <laughs> like, you well, know, yeah. The thing is, the thing is, though, is when they flee, they were like, did you, Tarkator says something along the lines of, did you put the tracker on the ship? Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of, at least in my mind, confirms mm-hmm. that they were missing on purpose. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then also I would like to clear up another misconception. Um, you guys aren't there yet, but um, stormtroopers are not clone troopers. Um, they are two separate people. Um, I won't say too much until you guys finish the prequels. Um, 
But yeah, the clone troopers from the Clone Wars are not stormtroopers. Just want to clear that up. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, um, can I say one thing? Of though? course. Okay. Go ahead. I don't know if he gets better in, in throughout the rest of the series. Okay? But C-3PO is the <laughs> most annoying fucking thing I've ever seen in a fucking movie. Like there was oh, wait, there's part, more. I'm like, there was one part where like he was blown up bits. I was like, fucking leave him. Leave him. Fuck him. He's so fucking annoying. I'm oh. like, third time he blames something on R2D2. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, shut the fuck up. I hate that him. is that is one thing that <laughs> I've noticed throughout um not only this watch, but Empire Strikes Back we saw it in theaters last weekend. Um C-3PO loves to just blame everything on R2-D2. Like, everything. He can't like, you, for himself. He can't talk. You piece of junk. Like, oh. oh, my um, dude. Just, but to, to answer your question without spoilers, um, I don't even think this is his most annoying movie. Seriously? Seriously? I'm, I'm just thinking, well, wait. There's more. Oh, my but God. There also, there also are some times where you're going you're gonna to like him as a character, so... I didn't like him at all in this movie. Like, not even, not a single scene. I was like, dude, every time he talked, I was just like, shut, sh- I don't really kill him. You. Just kill um, him. <laughs> Nick's not here to, to back you up on that because I know he'd agree with you, oh, which is God. which is rare for you to agree with you. <laughs> right. um, Do we see any, and we'll, we'll do this real quick. Do we see any major issues with this film? I know that the pacing is a little bit of an issue not not necessarily a major thing because i i agree like that first hour you're like i'm still mentally bought in but you gotta hurry this shit up um <laughs> other than that other than the pacing in in the beginning do we have any issues that that affect maybe you personally um brandon we'll start with you i don't think about that uh, uh go to phoenix all right <laughs> phoenix what do you think? You, you, uh, you're bound to have an issue here. Come on. I actually don't. Um, I think the pacing of this movie is perfect uh, because it's such an epic story. You know, you know how you know. Like there are some movies, you can get your story done in 90 minutes or less, right? And then there's some. It's like, okay, I, I see why that one had to be two hours, right? I'll do you one better. How about Lovebirds? 60 minutes or less. Yeah, you could definitely do that story in 60 minutes or less. Like, but like, yeah, uh, this one, it's an epic. You, it has to be two hours long. Like to me, Star Wars is like equivalent to Endgame. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be three hours long. I, I'm sure we'll get to that eventually. But like, yeah, like it's it's one of those stories that needs all of the time it, it can to just delve into this world because the world is huge. You know what I'm saying? The world is huge. We're looking at this one isolated story, which is great, but it's a whole it's a whole world. So yeah, uh, yeah, two hours and four minutes, perfect. KJ, what about you? Any other, it doesn't have to be pacing, but any other just kind of general problems you have with the film? So one thing that just, I guess, didn't make any sense to me um, was like very beginning of the movie when the escape pod escapes. Um, 
and they just let it escape. Like granted, okay, they said, oh, there's no life forms or whatever, but I'm just thinking like, okay, it's this bloodthirsty, dark red, like, you know, like <laughs> he is who he is. I mean, wait, greatest villain or top three greatest villains, whatever it is, whatever you want to call him. Like, wouldn't you just blow it up to be sure at least? <laughs> I mean, like yeah, something, like just something, do something. It, but they just let you, it get away it, and that's the whole thing. Oh, sorry. It makes you what? think they're paying, paying by the laser. I really there, didn't know like what was going on. I was like, why are they just letting it? <laughs> and then I that's don't know. Whole, I mean, that's how the yeah. rebels win. The rebels win off of that. So they won from the beginning right there. By yeah. just letting it go. Like it would have been over. But it I guess you have to make a movie. So it definitely is a, a little bit of a logic flaw for sure. Um, if I don't know if you guys watch Family Guy, KJ, you know I'm a big Family Guy fan. Yep. Um, they did a episode um, on each of the original trilogy uh, <laughs> films. So there's an episode on New Hope, there's an episode on Empire Strikes Back, and an episode on Return of the Jedi, just mocking the hell out of them. And KJ, exactly what you just said, they mocked the hell out of that. They're, the escape pods go in, and Brandon, that's the exact line from the episode. He's like, oh, there's no life forms. Just let it go. And the guy's like, are we paying by the laser now? <laughs> Why would we shoot it? So um, that's another great one to check out. Maybe don't check those out until you watch all of them because I don't know if they spoil anything, even if it's just making fun of episode four. They still might spoil episode six. It's Family Guy. Everything's on the board. But uh, that's a great That's a great. Problem. I like those episodes. I've seen them You've all, seen too. Them? What? So, like, I like the Star Wars, the Family Guy version of Star Wars, but I've never seen Star Wars. So. <laughs> My goodness, um, that's a great complaint, Brandon. You got anything else? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to back up KJ on this one. Definitely that, um, and then also some of the continuity things that happen because of the prequels. Like there are certain things that I'm like, wait a second, you can't just introduce this and go back on it now. I I, I can't say any more on that. But yeah, just a, cu- a couple continuity things now. I know. I knew a New Hope came out. Like way before everything else, but because of the prequels, it kind of ruins a couple scenes. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Let's uh, let's give some final scores. Phoenix, we'll start with you. Uh, okie doke. <clears throat> I am uh, gonna go four and a half stars on Star Wars: A New Hope uh, because I think. And it might go down the the more of of Star Wars that I see, but so far of the two movies that I've seen, I, obviously I love this one. I know a lot of people love Empire Strikes Back. I love this one so much more. I just think it's such a great introduction into this world. If it goes down from here, you know, what I'm saying if they had never made another Star Wars, this would be perfect. So to me, four and a half stars. I think it's I think it's the best of the series. Of course, I don't know what I'm talking about. I've only seen two movies, but yeah, for me, definitely, I love A New Hope. Yes. All right, KJ, what about you? Well, if you've only seen two, I've only seen one, so I really don't <laughs> know what I'm talking about here. Um, but I'm gonna give it a four. I'm not set on that. Um, I don't think that it will go down at all, um, but just based off of the timing of which I watched it late at night, it was really slow, so you know, sometimes I had to rewind, make sure I wasn't missing anything, um, falling asleep a little bit. But then I could just see like myself liking it more once I watched it a few more times. I mean, just about with any movie, most movies, if I watch it more than once, it's because I want to, and then I'll like it even more. 
Um, so me watching it a couple of times, I believe that I like it more as well as seeing the rest of the series um, and everything that Star Wars has to offer. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, that rating go up. Awesome. Brandon. I'm going to have to say four, uh, four and a half out of five. Um, I still think this film holds up very well. Um, it's still on a filmmaking perspective that came out 43 years ago. I still think it's a very well done film. And I think it's one of the best times of the seventies films of the seven, like best like made films of the seventies. You know what I mean? So definitely four and a half out of five. Um, I think what really cement, I was saying this earlier. I think what really cemented that was the score because John Williams is just like a legend. So Brandon, out of all of the Star Wars films, where does this rank for you? Give me all right, all right, all right. Um, Phoenix, when you're editing, just like make sure to cut this time out. But let me let me pull up my list. Sorry. <laughs> um, number yeah, you're welcome, Phoenix. Number five. Number five. What? <laughs> there are four movies you have higher than this. You you, you have to watch the rest of the films, dude. <laughs> Uh, All right. (laughs) um, KJ, you are not alone with that four-star ranking. It's not me that agrees with you. It's Nick. Uh, (laughs) Nick gives us four stars as well. But I'm going to go ahead with Brandon and Phoenix. This is a four and a half for me. I just think the – just how important this film is. I think you always have to weigh that in with um, some of these older films. You know, you talk about Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption – Star Wars, of course, these are all great movies on their own. But for me personally, I I have to factor in how important they are to culture, to society. And to me, I think on the surface level, it is a four-star movie. But with just how impactful it has been, uh, just gives it that little half star. When I first watched it last summer, summer of 2019, not for the first time, but first time in a while, I was like, oh, this has five stars. There's not really anything wrong with it necessarily. But then I was like, Uh, nah thinking about the five stars that i've given is it really on that level nah so i bumped it down um for me phoenix i'm i'm ready for phoenix's backlash um for me this is number four on my list of all the star wars movies so um we will yep yep i'm excited for you and kj to watch the whole franchise and, and we can compare then um, so that was our Star Wars discussion. Please, uh, if you're a big Star Wars fan, don't cancel us because you said we said something you disagree with. We are just trying to talk movies. I don't know so, anyone who could disagree that C3PO is the most annoying character of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Daniels. Oh my god. My goodness. All right, so we're moving on, guys, to what's good. What's good, what's good, what's good. And I haven't really watched anything under the radar, anything like that. So I am not going to go first. I'm starting with Phoenix. <laughs> What's right. good this week from you, Phoenix? Okay, uh, this might be a shock to everyone, but uh, I'm going to recommend a documentary. <laughs> oh, Lord. What, we, what is this, like six weeks in a row now? I know, right? Uh, so I recently watched uh, The Social Dilemma on uh, – what was that on Netflix? Uh, 
I recently watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Uh, it is it is a technically bad made movie. Like, not gonna lie, like, like it's it's really cheesy, <laughs> extraordinarily cheesy. But I feel I still find it essential viewing. Like, it's it's a it's a very important topic. Uh, I know a lot of people younger tend to blow off the topic that it is. But I think it's extremely important. It has some really valuable insight. Uh, it's it's a it's about um, our addiction to our cell phones and and so much more too about the technology as well and how it controls our behaviors. Uh, I think it's a really good, important, really kind of scary film actually as a documentary, uh, which I love. It's now top top ten in my twenty twenty rankings. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah so that's that's for me uh the social dilemma well geez you hit the nail on the head when you talked about cheesiness um <laughs> just real real quick talking about that because i have seen that as well um my lord it's they they call it a, a documentary drama drama it's a documentary where, yeah you know they'll tell you facts and insights and, and then, then they make this fabricated <laughs> drama like of something you know that's not real to just absolutely shove the points down your throat. It's like they're opening up your mouth, taking the point and just cramming it down. And there's, there's one scene where this girl, and this is a documentary, so I'm not spoiling anything. There's this one scene um, where they're trying to shove it down your throat. And it, it's the a girl, really this, this like middle school scene. girl, this middle school girl is without her friend for maybe 30 seconds because the mom wants them to spend some time without their phone. She puts this in this like case that locks. It's gone for an hour. She's like, it's locked for an hour. You can't have your phone for an hour. After 30 seconds, this girl gets up, tries to get her phone. And I'm like, really, really? And then the next scene, she's got goggles on safety goggles and a hammer and she busts open the case. Really? Really? That's like you it's, lock yourself out of your house, so your solution is to blow up your house. <laughs> really? It's it's a very extreme point. Like, it's that I, I will I will agree with Nathan. That is a horrible scene in the movie. It's totally unnecessary. But everything else, well, not everything else, but <laughs> some of the other stuff actually saves it. Definitely, the docu documentary side of it is is well way more informing. Than the drama side, but all right, that's enough on that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad one of us watches documentaries frequently, though. That's yeah. that, that's good. Brandon, what do you got? I actually just recently watched John Carpenter's The Thing. Ooh, nice. Um, my God, what a movie! Um, there's this new game out called Among Us, and if you know, you know. Um, this movie <laughs> is literally the live version of Among Us. Um, you have that one guy who's like. Are you an imposter? I'm going to test your blood. Oh, God. Oh, God. You're not the imposter. Okay. Untie him. Oh, he's the imposter. His blood went wild. He's running away. I'm like a seizure and stuff. Literally the live action version of Among Us. But this film, on a filmmaking standpoint, is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of elements that make you think, wait a second. Is that movie, how this, is this really how this movie ended? Right, is, is, I forget his name, but is he the thing? Or is McCready the thing? <laughs> Does he give him, like, poison in that bottle of whiskey in the end? There's so many, like, my, it's like my mind is, like, going crazy. Like, I, when I watched Inception, my, 
I'm still thinking of theories. I'm like, okay, nice. wait a second. But fantastic film overall. I loved it. Um, highly recommend watching it, especially since it's, since it's the spooky season. Right. So, yeah, highly recommend John Carpenter's The Thing. Since it comes so highly recommended, I'll probably check it out because I haven't seen it yet. But It's uh, really worth watching. Yeah. All right, KJ, welcome to What's Good. What <laughs> is good in your world? Well, what's good in my world? Nothing really new, um, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately. I've been doing an um, X-Men watch-through, rewatch oh, yeah. with my friends who haven't seen that yet. So I've been doing that. But a new TV show that I have gotten into um, is actually Designated Survivor on Netflix. Really? Yes. Yeah, so I actually like it a lot. Um, I'm a big, like, Washington, D.C., like, government person i just like like just the feel of like dc i'm actually went to go visit a couple weeks ago and i just feel like now the election's coming up like it all just fits together mm. so, like i saw it on netflix I'm like, ah, let me just start it and mm. i loved it like i've absolutely loved it um they bring like some real issues that can't happen or have happened um in our country and in other countries um so i've been enjoying that and if you want to you know educate yourself a little bit about uh, government and when you know the election's coming up soon so that is something that you can watch and entertain yourself a little bit so AJ, sorry, sorry go ahead Phoenix. No, 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 i was uh hesitant to watch it because i know it's a spinoff of uh 24 yeah. i was just like i was like oh it's weird that they would mm-hmm. do a spinoff why not just keep doing 24 yeah. but, uh, <laughs> they're connected then yeah yeah they're connected but I, yeah i didn't know if it was any good but it's yeah. nice to hear that yeah i like it. that's awesome and uh, KJ brings up a great point. Uh, we are sticking to movies, but I just want to make it a point to make sure you're registered to vote, not going to go either way as far as politically, because that's not what we do here. But um, please make sure you're registered to vote. You know, last election, a lot of people, at least the age of, I would guess the people listening to the show and our age did not vote. Um, so please make sure you're registered to vote. Yeah. That is extremely important. Again, not going to uh, say anything else, but that is ridiculously important with the election coming up. So um, what's good for me? Um, shocker, shocker. Uh, I'm going to recommend a David Fincher movie because Nick and I <laughs> did our David Fincher marathon. We're done. So I won't be recommending any more Fincher movies after this. Um, but I'm going to recommend The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Nice. As far as Fincher movies go, when you think Fincher, you think Gone Girl, Fight Club, Seven, Social Network. This isn't, this isn't at the top of his absolutely incredible filmography. And I don't think it's a great film. I think it's a good film. Um, this was a hard watch. This was a very hard watch. Please do not watch this with your parents. Please do not watch this with your significant other. Um, this is a tough watch. Just know that going in. Um, but I still enjoyed it. It's a, it's a fun little mystery there's definitely some very good dramatic scenes. And Fincher is just a, such an incredible filmmaker overall. So I'm going to recommend The Girl with the Dragon 2. Um, and I promise I'm done recommending Fincher movies now. But whatever director we start next, I'm sure I'll be throwing out, uh, throwing out their recommendations. So we got The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Dilemma, Designated Survivor, and The Thing. Nice. So that's what's good from Film Code. What's good, what's good, what's good? What's good, what's good, what's good?
righty, we are moving right along. Got a packed show today. Moving on to some questions. So just give me one moment to pull I, them I up. Got them. I got them up. You got them. Go yes. ahead, Phoenix. All right. So the first one that we got was from Caesar at uh, Hey, It's Caesar. Uh, My friend, yes. Yeah, he has a, a three for the E in Caesar. Uh, thanks for the question, Caesar. He asks us, what is your favorite horror movie before the year 2000? So it is spooky season. So, uh, Brandon, kick us off. <clears throat> Who do you think is your Ooh. favorite horror movie before the year 2000? A I want to say after 2000. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of goes before 2002. I'd like to say The Exorcist, but based mm. on nostalgia, I just want to say also John Carpenter's Halloween, 1978. Nice. nice. Definitely John Carpenter's Halloween. Um I feel like that's like the epitome of a horror film. Like if you think horror and slasher, you instantly think of either Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers. And mm. I personally think Michael Myers. So John Carpenter's Halloween, just the shot framing and certain things, just you you create a you create a man who is who they call him the boogeyman. And he's unkillable. He is like don't get me wrong, I hate the sequels. Um <laughs> that's why I'm really glad Halloween twenty eighteen brought it back. Um But yeah, he's just unkillable. He is he doesn't talk. He's just out for blood and I love it. Well, so definitely John Carpenter's Halloween. That is coming up on my watch list, and I'm so excited. Uh, KJ, what about you? You got a favorite horror movie before the year 2000? Uh, I think I'm going to have to second Brandon on this one. Um, <laughs> and But a little fun movie that I like from uh, before 2000 was Dracula. I don't know, my mom, that was my mom's favorite movie, 1931. Uh, wow. So my great-grandma. Got my mom into it, and my mom made us watch it every year as well. So I, I don't know; it just has like a special like place in my heart for that reason. But besides that, Halloween and Dracula would be my two for sure. Dope, Nathan. What about you? I'm gonna go with a movie that's not necessarily the first thing you think about when you think of horror, because you think of like slashers and you know just this crazy paranormal stuff. Um, but it says it's a horror movie on Letterboxd because, you know, Letterboxd is never wrong about anything. Um, you know, like Chadwick Boseman being the star of The Five Bloods. But um going to go with Silence of the Lambs. Um, nice. I think that's a that's a good little thriller, good little drama. Sure, there's some horror aspects as well. I think Anthony Hopkins delivers probably one of the best performances I've ever seen. Um, that's just a great little movie. It's a really good one. It's the best picture uh, winner, I believe. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm going with a movie that still scars me to this day. <laughs> uh, and that is the original Candyman. Uh, Tony Todd as Candyman is the one of the most frightening villains I think I've ever seen in a horror movie. I tried watching this movie again like a few months ago. And it was dark and I couldn't do it. So, yeah, no. Uh definitely my favorite and also probably one of the hardest ones to to watch because it just terrifies me as a kid and no one should ever say Candyman in the mirror five times it's a bad idea all right (laughs) so our next question comes from Alejandra and she is at Alexa loves that's l-o-v-s on twitter and she asks us 
should the Oscars still go on this year? Nathan, what do you think? Yes, they should. Um, you know, it is a down year for movies. Absolutely. A lot of things are being pushed, but at the end of the day, you have to credit everyone involved with the production of movies. I know we talk all the time about the people in front of the camera that we see on the screen. We talk about the directors and we'll sometimes talk about the right, but there are hundreds of people on each movie set. When you get the bigger movies, there's thousands of people on a movie set. These are these people's lives. These are these people's salaries. Um, they deserve it too. You know, I'm obviously a huge sports fan. People say the same thing. Should there even be an MVP this season? Yeah, they play, they're playing the sport. There should be. Um, mm. Of course, I think this Best Picture winner, whatever it may be, Tenet. is going to have an – God, no. It's going to have an, an asterisk next to it. Maybe some people still think it's, it's a weaker year. But at the end of the day, like, it, it, it should – still happen absolutely you can't be putting out these movies and it, it, it just wouldn't be fair it just wouldn't be fair what what would these 2020 releases do would they be pushed to 2021 would just nothing win i i, I just don't think that's very fair i, I yeah. personally think it's going to be tough for an oscar season this year because of how many films are getting pushed back to 2021 and then also like what we've had 10 films in the theater onward tenet invisible man Birds of Prey. Um, there's a lot of others, but like these are the Sonic main. Mutant, yeah, Sonic, Sad Boys for Life. Yeah, <laughs> but like, there's just like there's not enough films to go off of. Like you'd have to dip into the streaming service stuff. Uh, like I think they'd yeah. be forced to. Yeah. Unless you want, unless unless you want Tenet to win Best Picture, which I think it should. <laughs> KJ, what do you think? Um, I most definitely think that they should still go on with it. Um, similar point to what Nathan brought up. If they're releasing it, I feel like they should definitely be awarded for what they're doing. Um, people are putting their time, their money, their effort into a very difficult time uh, to just say, oh, forget about it or, oh, better luck next year. Like just moving it back where people will have more time and on their hands to create, I don't know, maybe better movies or at least have more time to fix their movies. I just feel like that's unfair to the people that are entertaining us at this point in time. Um, so I believe it should go on. And I don't necessarily think that it should be an asterisk next to it either. Yeah, I, I agree that it should go on. I think I think the asterisk comes when it when it, when it particularly comes to best picture, because you know it's not a lot of competition this year. But I sit up there and I'm one of the people who like you know I I love the technical awards more than anything. Like you know what I'm saying so like I want to see you know what wins costume design or, or what wins production design. I want to see you know who wins editing. Uh, and to me, those matter just as much as Best Picture. So Best Picture might be, you know, a little bit of a downer, but eh, you've also picked the wrong Best Picture winner several other years. So what would it hurt? So, <laughs> yeah, I think we're all in pretty much agreement. The Oscars should go on. They'll probably be virtual, which will suck, but definitely they should. Thanks, uh, Alejandra, for the question. Uh, we have another question from... VHUS podcast. Uh, they are at VHUS underscore podcast on Twitter. Thanks again for the question, guys. And uh, this is a question I do not <laughs> understand the reference. Maybe you guys will. Uh, they said they ask us, "Where's Rachel?" And uh, I'm not sure if that's a Friends reference or what. Anybody? 
Anybody. <laughs> Who's Rachel? Uh, I got a better question. Why is Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, v- <laughs> VHUS Podcast, thanks so much for asking us a question. Uh, great podcast. Check them guys out if you have the chance. We also got one more question from Hentai Hero. Uh, and they are at Gaggeth, that is G-A-G-G-E-T-H, at, on Twitter. And they ask us uh, two questions, most overrated comedy and most underrated comedy. They throw in that their overrated would be Step Brothers and their underrated would be Game Night. So what about you guys? What is an overrated and underrated comedy for you? Definitely Jack and Jill for underrated. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, um... Overrated, I'd have to say long shot. Um I, I hated that movie so much. Disrespected. Hated. <laughs> um but underrated for me, um Sausage Party. I don't see people I don't I, I saw a film in theaters. It was freaking hilarious. Um I don't see much, I don't see a lot of people talking about it nowadays, and it's definitely underrated. Um you I never expected to see food wanting to leave the store like and then they get all excited, and then they just get absolutely murdered when they're getting cooked. It's so funny. <laughs> KJ, definitely sausage party. KJ, yeah. um, my underrated ones will have to be the bad boy movies. All of them, mm. honestly, mm. they're all hilarious, um, and I don't think they get enough credit in that, uh, or enough credit in general. Mm-hmm. Overrated, I'm going to go with them. Um, Step Brothers, I've seen that about three times. One of my friends, that's her favorite movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> we watched it on her birthday for the past two years. And oh. I've seen that movie. Um, so so that's my overrated for sure. So they know what they're talking about. <laughs> Nathan, what about you, man? Yeah, I'm going to go with a tad different direction, but still stay on the same road as these guys. I think a very overrated movie is another Will Ferrell comedy. Going to go with Anchorman. Um, watch, wow. this for the, watch this for the first time over the summer. And I just, I think all Will Ferrell movies are pretty much the same. Um, he always acts like he's a child inside a man's body. <laughs> and that might be funny to me once, and then it's run its course. Um I didn't find Anchorman. I love Steve Carell. I'm a huge Steve Carell and did not find him funny. Well, he was the only reason that movie was funny at all. Um, so Anchorman's overrated, in my opinion. Underrated. I'm going to go with something that frequent listeners of this show know that I love, and that's the disaster artist. Mm-hmm. I think James Franco is just absolutely hilarious in this role, making a movie about how the room's made. It was just so much fun, so funny. Um, I think it's probably the highest comedy rate, highest rated comedy film for me personally. I don't know if I phrased that right, but you get the idea. So that's it for me. Now, Nathan, uh, I could ask you a question. Do you yes. Think Will Ferrell is an overrated comedian in general. Yes, absolutely. Okay. We're on the same page. I was just, I was just, I make- just, I'm sure he's got the talent, like, but he just, he needs to stop playing the same character he needs to right. stop playing the child inside the man and yeah. i saw talladega nights a long time ago i don't remember it personally i don't mm. remember it that well but i remember that is probably going to be my favorite will ferrell comedy that one i can see being like okay this is hilarious but it's the only one yeah. but 
yeah, he's he's just got to do something else because I've seen now Step Brothers, the other guys, mm-hmm. Eurovision, <laughs> Anchorman, they're all the same. Like, dude, do something else. Elf is funny. I'm sorry, Elf, Elf is, funny. is funny. Yeah, okay. That will yeah. but yeah. But Elf and and for me personally, maybe Talladega Nights. We'll we'll let that slide. Yeah. Uh, oh, what about Blades of Glory? I to agree. No, no. Never, never. Seen <laughs> no. Like I happen to agree. I think Will Ferrell's probably a great actor and um, decent comedian, but the movies that he's done, like, yikes! They're they're all awful. I can't I can't stand it. Um, but I am gonna go with uh two movies. One that uh one that th- these two movies get compared to each other a lot, but uh for overrated. I'm actually gonna go with Superbad. I uh, I think this movie gets a lot, like way way too much love. It's okay. It's it's fine. It's funny, but eh, it's it's a bit it's a bit much for 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 where it is. And actually, I'm gonna go underrated. Is Booksmart? I think <laughs> I yes. think Booksmart is one of the funniest freaking movies. Uh, definitely of la- of 2019. Uh, it was a favorite of mine. I don't know why these movies get compared to each other. I guess because they're, you know, high school characters in, in you know, uh, the new era or whatever. But I, I just love Booksmart. I think it takes anything from uh, that was done well in Superbad and makes it 10 times better. So for me, overrated is going to be Superbad and underrated is definitely Booksmart. One of the Tell- few times Phoenix and I agree. We both love Booksmart. <laughs> Yeah, Booksmart's fantastic. So, How do you guys feel about Dinner for Schmucks? Hate that movie with a burning passion. <laughs> oh man, hate it Come with on. a burning passion. Never throw seen it. it. Throw it in the flames. It's it's hilarious. No, it is not. <laughs> There's no humor in that movie to be found. All right. So thanks, uh, everyone, once again for all of the questions. Uh, shout out uh, Caesar. Hey, it's Caesar on Twitter. Alejandra, Alexa Loves on Twitter, VHUS Podcast, and Hentai Hero at Gagath on Twitter. Thanks, guys, so much. We appreciate the questions. And if you guys want to ask us a question, you can. Uh, just find us on Twitter at Film Code Pod. We uh, always ask a question before we record. So uh, just uh, look for our We post. always a- ask you questions before yeah. we record. We out before we record, so you guys can send us something that we can answer live, and we'll always shout you out. So uh, that's that for our Q and A, and now it's time for our discussion. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy, the chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I have. Are, oh, I, I yeah, got you, you right now. So we're on yeah. to uh, the MCU discussion. So. I know KJ is uh, ready. This is his bread and butter, so looking forward to it. And we're all obviously MCU fans here. Um, this is a part two of a discussion we did 
long ago. I think it was back in June. Right. Um, so of the MCU wheel, um, for those of you that are listening on audio, which is most of you, um, we want to talk MCU. We've already done an end game discussion, but we don't know what of the 23, like how we pick and choose, which ones to talk about. Why are we going to pick one movie over the other? So we just have this virtual wheel where we put in all the movies and we let the wheel spin and it's like roulette. And uh, it tells us what we're going to talk about. So um, we did either five or six or so from part one back in June. So we took those movies off. That includes Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Far From Home, The Avengers, a couple more. It was all sequels aside from The Avengers. We did all the sequels. (laughs) The wheel speaks. So we will uh, spin the wheel right now. I will share my screen with you boys. And then... We will see what happens. Can you guys see it? Yes. I don't see anything. Nice. Oh, wait. Hold on. There it is. All righty. So let's <laughs> wheel decide. Wheel decide for you. <laughs> Let, let's decide what the wheel thinks. We are uh, just talking here. All right. I'll spin it well, more next fast. time. I'll spin good. it more next time. But we are talking Age of Ultron. KJ, start us off, buddy. What do you think? Um, I definitely believe that this movie is underrated. Um, yes. It's such a fun movie. I can just remember, like, right before it came out, all of the trailers, me on YouTube, watching every single <laughs> video that I could possibly watch just to see how much information I can get on this movie. Um, some of that will have to be off the piggyback of The Avengers, the original. Um, of course, the second one. But Age of Ultron, I feel like, yes, there is issues with Ultron. There's issues with the story. There's some things that just don't need to be in there. Um, not really a fan of the whole Black Widow and Hulk. Like, what is that? And why did it just go away? <laughs> like, don't introduce it if it's just going to go away. Um, but definitely a fun movie. feel like they could have added some more to Ultron. Um, but overall, overall, definitely underrated in my opinion. Phoenix, go ahead. Okay, I just want to say uh, I did not watch any trailers for this movie. So I think a lot of the low ratings of this movie comes from people who did watch them and were expecting something different. Um, I, I went into this pretty much blind. I'd seen the Avengers and I was like, there's a sequel, so I'm going to see it. Um, I love this movie. I like unabashedly love this movie. I, this is the first uh mcu movie that i actually bought and own on dvd uh i repeatedly watch it like to me the reason i love it is because i think it's the first movie that really opens up uh the entire marvel cinematic universe it just it's the movie that pretty much lets you know like there's more to this world than uh than you realize uh you know it's the first mention of wakanda you know first sighting of uh Ulysses Claw, uh, you know, just uh, obviously we get the Maximoff twins coming into this. So like, there's there's a lot of story here. Maybe that throws a lot of things off, and maybe that's what weakens Ultron's character ultimately. Ultimately, but the fight scenes in here just awesome. I I love that last scene where it's like, you know, how can you expect to beat me? Like the old man said, together. You know, and then that callback. When it comes to Endgame, I just think, you know, a lot of great things happen in this movie. It shouldn't be easily dismissed. I know 
as far as the team up movies go, it is probably the weakest of the team up movies, but I love it. Love Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. That's one of my favorite movies. Go ahead, Brandon. Um, me personally, I think it's the weakest of the Avengers films. There are some great moments in this film, though. However, uh, I love Vision's entrance. Um, yeah. He's just confused, but he's instantly like he has that pre-knowledge of Jarvis. So he's trying to gather everything in life to understand what's going on. And um, I also love just a couple comedy bits. Um, everyone trying to lift Thor's hammer. Yeah. And just like a confirmation, like in Endgame was Cap was able to lift Mjolnir because you 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 see it skirt a little bit in Age mm-hmm. of Ultron. I'm like, wait a second, hold on. So yeah, um, I definitely love. Um, I love. I, I won't say I love Age of Ultron, but I enjoy it. Um, what's his name? David Spader or James Spader? James, James Spader. Spader. James Spader. I think I think James Spader gives a really good performance for what he has to work with. Um, he, he's just an amazing voice actor. He's an amazing actor. Just like if you see him in the office, you don't you don't you don't see Ultron. But if you see him in a show like Blacklist, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gone through and ranked the MCU films yet. There's just too many to rank. Um, but I, I, it's about halfway on my list. I think this film was really good. So, yeah. Um, so my point, Brandon, love The Office. James Spader gets a little blackball for his performance in The Office, but overall, still a wonderful voice talent. Probably one of the first choices I would have if I was casting something and I needed this very missing, scary voice. He'd probably be at the top of my list. Um, so he does a good job, but there's definitely some... You feel like they're looking past Endgame to what they're going to do later instead of just working right now. And I think building towards the future is great. That builds a cohesive universe and a more cohesive world, but at the same time, it's almost like it's a common to use another sports reference. You know, if you're playing a bad team one week and the next week you're playing the reigning champions, people always say, oh, well, they were looking ahead a week and they didn't focus on who's in front. I feel like that's what kind of happened with this movie. I feel like they were looking at Thor Ragnarok. They were looking at Infinity War and they were like, OK, we need to set things up for those movies, even though they don't really make sense right here. I feel like they were ahead a little too much. You know, you got the stuff with. Heimdall losing his eyes and Thor needing to go to the like electric cave and then they go chill at Hawkeye's for a half hour and then you know Nick Fury's just hanging out in the barn I said a half hour there you go hanging out in the the barn and you know you got I, I don't know there's a lot of continuity issues overall but I think as a film I really enjoy it too uh, to go along with what KJ said I think it's overhated a little bit because people expect it to be on this just absolute um, pedestal and it's not but it's still a good film I, I I think it ranks just outside of my top 10 for for overall MCU films already yeah. I, I want to hold on real quick I want to just, just spinning argue, it to argue you go ahead yeah I just want to argue because I love that movie so much that the scene at uh, Hawkeye's house is actually, I, I would argue, one of the best scenes in the movie is because it humanizes so many of those characters. And, you know, I know we compl- you complained about um, uh, Black Widow and Hulk's relationship, but, like, 
it, it does get further developed even as the story comes along and you know this it i just love it i'm sorry i, I love that movie <laughs> you're good um okay so span the wheel while phoenix was uh defending case and we landed <laughs> on spider-man homecoming yes um we don't have to rush or anything but let's try to talk a little bit less uh for everyone here so kj spider-man homecoming kick us off um definitely definitely a good movie Spider-Man's my, well, has been my favorite character. Captain America kind of took over um, recently, but Spider-Man's still at the top. Great movie. It was great to see Spider-Man in a light that like Sam Raimi kind of left off on, like in a good light. Um, I liked the Amazing Spider-Man as well, but this movie really like just brings Spider-Man to who he is. Peter Parker who he is, and adds him to a great universe um, and introduces him. And yeah, overall, I just think that they did a very, very good job. Um, also, not going back to the origin, which we did yes. not even see. Um, so, I believe that's the best thing that has come out of this movie is that we did not have to see him get bit by a spider or have to cry because Uncle Ben died for a third time. <laughs> yeah, so, that's that's basically all I have to say. Brandon, what about you, man? <laughs> I will say it's it's up there as one of my favorite Spider-Man films. Um, Tom Holland is the perfect casting choice for a teenage Spider-Man. Um, like, you had Tobey Maguire who looked like he was in his 30s playing uh, high school. Yeah, in the old Raimi films, everybody looked like they were in their 30s or 40s, especially Flash. But yeah, they did really well casting for this one. Everyone looked like they were supposed to if they were in high school. Um, Spider-Man's journey on his own was fantastic. Um, I think Iron Man being his fathership mentor in this film really worked. Um, taking away his suit really, really did help yeah. because when he had to fight the vulture with just his like homemade suit and he got like the debris dropped on, he's like, okay, hold up, hold on a second. I'm actually in trouble. Um, he's, 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 he's not big and mighty anymore. He's like crying for help. Like who, any teenager would do that. And then he realized, wait, I'm something without the suit, and he's able to power out of it, which is one of my favorite Spider-Man scenes ever. Mm. So definitely Spider-Man Homecoming is one of my favorite um, Spider-Man films. Um, highly recommend it. Um, Michael Keaton as the villain is just fantastic. So, so he's like, is like even that reveal, I didn't see that coming. I remember being in the theater, my theater just going, oh, with the door open, I'm like, Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so yeah, definitely Spider-Man Home is just fantastic. So, Phoenix. Yeah, uh, I I have to second all of that. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is like I know uh, a few weeks ago we actually um, reviewed Into the Spider Verse, and uh, a lot of people have Into the Spider Verse as the best Spider-Man movie ever made. To me, it's it's probably the third best. Uh, Spider-Man 2 still is, is tops. And I put Homecoming over into the Spider-Verse as well. I just think, like everything Brandon just said, like that scene where he has to, you know, when he loses his suit and he has to, you know, just dig deep within himself, an excellent scene. It's such an excellent scene. And uh, Michael Keaton as the Vulture. And, and that his motivation isn't you know world domination or anything like that it's like you know this is a guy who lost his job you know what i'm saying <laughs> this is a guy who's like you know like look i gotta feed my family i gotta do i gotta do what i gotta do and 
it's a moral i think what i love about it is it's such a moral gray area for spider-man to be like this is wrong but i get it and i still have to do the right thing and i just think that having that character go through that moment uh like go through that that sort of struggle is so uh indicative of the of the comics and of the character even even like the the original cartoon you see he's faced with like such moral questions and that he still has to do the right thing and i think just the perfect characterization in this movie for that character is done so so well so that's why for me it's still top two yeah homecoming homecoming's great well i wanted to touch on something that you just said phoenix as far as michael keaton's vulture um he's not out trying to blow up the world he's not out trying to kill spider-man because he actually lets spider-man walk he doesn't want to hurt anyone he just wants to make money for his family because he feels like he was cheated by the system and i love that i love that you know when you got thanos and you got loki and you've got you know, Ronin and just all these intergalactic villains just trying to just wreak havoc. You just got this guy who wants to make money. He doesn't want to get his hands too dirty and he especially doesn't want to kill a kid. So I just think that's so refreshing. Michael Keaton, I mean, I tweeted about it on on the uh, Twitter account last week. They've gotten so many great, already established villains inside of the MCU. Michael Keaton is probably at the top of that list. Um, I love everything about Vulture. Probably my favorite MCU villain, not named Thanos. Um, And I think this is the perfect movie that does two things. It has high school humor and like lighthearted humor that high schoolers would use without doing it too much. (coughs) Far from home. home. Yeah. And it establishes Iron Man as a little bit of a crutch to the Spider-Man film. And they use Iron Man perfectly inside of this movie without it being like suffocating with Iron Man (laughs) far from home. Um, So they do those two things perfectly. And then one final thing that I want to say is they set up so, so subtly the Sinister Six eventually. They have Scorpion and Electro, or I guess they call him Shocker. Shocker. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's Electro. Um, okay. And they're setting up the Sinister Six eventually, and they did it without hardly anyone noticing. They didn't have to make them grand characters. They just made them these small side characters, post credit scene characters, and I can't wait till they get Sinister Six. Brandon, go ahead. Okay, so I want to say this um, I, in the news the other day. Um, I know this is an un, I know this isn't a topic that we wanted to, that we didn't talk about talking about. But how do you guys feel about Jamie Fox returning to play Electro in this third Spider-Man? Because he confirmed it. I think it'll be fine. I, I just I want to see what they do. It'll um, be weird, but go for it. As long as they don't, as long as they don't let Mark Webb touch anything, I'm fine with it. <laughs> KJ, what happened to you? I'm all I'm for it. I feel like Jamie Fox can pull it off and Marvel can pull it off. I feel like it's gonna work. I think it's just gonna be weird with us like knowing where <laughs> it's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I wonder I wonder if it's gonna be one of these things where they pretend like the other thing didn't exist. Like they with, should like with the <laughs> this suicide squad that's coming out, right? 
it has some of the same characters that Suicide Squad does, but they're like, oh, it's unrelated. <laughs> Do you-, you have Rick Flag. You have uh, Viola Davis's character. You have obviously Margot Robbie yeah. as Harley Quinn. But but that other world doesn't exist. But you have three of the same characters. Uh, uh- uh, okay, like I wonder if they're gonna do something like that. Yeah. Do you guys think? Um, do you guys think they're leading to the Sinister Six to have that, like that in the multiverse? One hundred percent. I don't know about the multiverse. I think that's easy for them to do now because of the success of Into the Spider Verse. But I think they're definitely leaning into the Sinister Six because they already they've already introduced four of those villains inside the MCU. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So. Let's move right along here, gentlemen. Um, good talk. I do want to plug real quick um, as we land on Ant-Man. We just talked about Spider-Man. I did a solo episode for Film Code, ranking all eight Spider-Man movies. You got the seven live action and Into the Spider-Verse. I ranked all eight, talked briefly about each one, little quick half-hour episode just with me if you're interested in checking that out or you're listening to this right now you can find it over there all right so ant-man uh we're gonna reverse course phoenix let's start with you thoughts on ant-man uh okay no ant-man i think is the perfect palate cleanser of a movie (laughs) like in between all of these like world destruction intergalactic stories you have this random low-key guy who who in truth and this is why i think it's so great is it's very subtle like they they pretty much set it up where uh you know he's he's so insignificant yet he's such a major part of you know the final you know battle and so like i love i love this story is very small scale i think when you talk about casting one of the best casts that they have in the entire MCU. Paul Rudd, uh, Michael Michael Pena, uh, T.I., uh, even, um, uh, God, who played Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly. Uh, it's just, a, it's such a great, great cast, strong cast, and, and one of the funniest movies in the MCU without, without question. It's absolutely hilarious. Paul Rudd doesn't age, so he'll be playing this role for another 20 years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I love it. I just, I'm, and it's so funny too when he does uh, come into the greater MCU. Uh, hopefully we'll talk about uh, Civil War later, but um, it's just so weird seeing him. He's like such a weird mix to everyone else. It's like, you're here? Like, it, it, it's so, because even when like, Tony dismisses him. He dismisses him all through the rest of the <laughs> rest of the MCU. And it's so fitting because it's just like, dude, who whatever, like piss ant, like, like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like you can just totally like flick him off and just ignore him. And it's it, it's hilarious because he's so vital. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's just he just gets <laughs> ignored. But I love Ant Man. I think it's one of the one of the better uh origin story movies. It, uh, even though the sequel wasn't didn't live up to the hype, but yeah, I think Ant Man's great. Definitely, I, I'll I'll agree with you on that. Um, I really regret not seeing this in theaters. Um, I never got around to it, and I hate myself for it because <laughs> I remember watching this film on a like a 
like a like a thirty inch screen in my like in the downstairs like den or something like two in the morning, and I freaking loved this movie. Oh my god! Like I, I know a lot of people give Ant Man and the Wasp crap, but I I can't hate that movie. I'll I'll go into that when we land on Ant Man and the Wasp, but we I think we've already talked about it. Yeah. But um, I really really loved Ant Man. Um, Paul Rudd was a great casting choice. Michael Douglas playing Hank Pym was great. Evangeline Lilly as Hope Pym, also great. I don't know who played the villain, but he did great as well. Um, yeah, I the actress of, his name. The, the actress of Cassie was awesome. She just like, <laughs> she just gave off this great performance for Paul Rudd to bounce off of in certain things, in certain parts. I just loved it so much. So yeah, I definitely love Ant-Man. It's definitely an underrated hit. Um, a lot of people give it crap. I can't hate that movie at all. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with you too. Um, I mean, it's such a like small. It feels like such a small movie, but then when you think about it, it means so much to the universe as a whole. Um, like you said, the part that Ant Man plays in the final battle, the final movie—it's uh, just so crazy, and you wouldn't even notice or think that he would be based off of just the first movie and also how all of the other characters like treat him like how you talk about iron man's like okay like whatever ant-man blah 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 <laughs> that. and he's not everybody or i really don't think anybody's like favorite superhero for the most part like i've never heard somebody say ant-man's my favorite but he does bring like that humor aspect human comic relief and he also means an incredible like deal to the whole universe um, which I just think that this was perfectly placed in the MCU in between two huge films. Um, gives us the chance to relax for once because there's a lot of times when we can't relax. And this was when we're like, okay, introduction to a new character, let's relax a little bit. Let's give him this time to shine. So definitely great. Well, I'm going to go against the grain here, unfortunately, going up against all you guys. Um, I am not a fan of this film. Um, it, it of course like, you're not. It feels like it is squished through the MCU template. Um, it's virtually. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Oh no! I, no, I all I hear is lies coming through your screen. Oh, okay. All right. I, I set myself up for that one. So <laughs> it feels like it's the exact same thing as Iron Man. When you look at villains' motivations, when you look at as far as like what exactly the story is i get it of course there's some differences and trust me i'm well aware that not every movie can have the stakes of infinity war i get that but at the end of the day i think spider-man homecoming is the type of film that you can make without having a ton of size and scale while making it still relevant and this is my biggest issue with ant-man is it's not relevant and you can say oh well Pim particles save the universe. They brought everyone back. They destroyed Thanos. I get that. I can tell you that in 10 seconds without watching the movie. I can save you a whole hour and a half, two hours with watching the movie. And I just tell you, oh, there's this thing called Pim particles. And it basically is like, it helps you travel through time and things like that. There you go. You're welcome. You don't have to watch it now. It's just not really relevant. It's not really memorable outside of Michael Pena's great storytelling. It's just not memorable. Uh, on that. That's last word on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What do we got? All right. 
Yes. We're on the nice. first yes. Avenger. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and start since you're excited? One of the most underrated, other than Ant-Man, underrated MCU films, um, Captain America's introduction is just fantastic. He's just a scrawny little kid who's wanted to do right by the world and join the army, fight in the war. They keep denying him. And then a scientist sees that. He's like, okay, this guy is having some troubles. Let's get him in here. We can give him the super soldier serum. Fantastic film. Red Skull is great as a villain. Captain America's intro, him getting his shield. Hell, even the Star-Spangled Man scene, like the song. I love it. I have it on repeat on my Spotify all the time. It's just, it's just so good. Um, just without this film, you wouldn't have Captain America's arc whatsoever because a lot of his arc consisted of trying to fit into the real world and realizing, okay, the fighting is done. I can go back to the 40s and be with Peggy. Without this film, you would, like, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, skip this film and you, skip this film if you ever watch the MCU. Without this film, you will not understand a damn thing that Captain America is trying to do in Endgame. Ugh. So definitely one of my, I, it's, not one, it's not on my top 10 even, but I just love this film so much. It's so good. So, yeah. Um, we're going to throw it over to our MCU expert now. KJ, go ahead. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. You guys are the experts. Um, but this this movie definitely... I remember that this was the first movie that I saw in the theater in the MCU. This was probably like my introduction to the MCU. Of course, I went back and watched Iron Man. Um, but... I don't know. This one just has like a special place in my heart. Probably wouldn't break my top ten either. Um, but... Mm-hmm as like the first movie of a trilogy goes i mean it's definitely better than thor um (laughs) it's right after iron man for me um i don't think that iron man is really all that good of course like the impact that it has had but captain america the first avenger right here um i feel like it just means so much to the character it's just it just doesn't feel like any other movie in mcu as well um Nothing has come after it that has felt it the same way, and nothing has come before it that has felt the same way either. So I just really, I appreciate that aspect of this movie. Oh my goodness. Phoenix's hot takes are already rubbing off on KJ here (laughs) in this Zoom call. (laughs) Phoenix is somehow brainwashing KJ now. Um, Phoenix, your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I too do not have this in my top 10, and yet it is still a movie that I respect a great deal. I think of all of the MCU movies in the first uh, three phases, this one is the one that feels the most like directly ripped from the comics. Uh, and I think when you're talking about Captain America, first of all, I know we, uh, we have another series where we talk uh, best casting decisions. Chris Evans as Captain America is without a doubt one of the best casting decisions ever made. Uh, he nails this role. He he is Steve Rogers. Like, you know, in the same way Harrison Ford is Han Solo and Indiana Jones, Chris Evans is, is Captain America. So uh, for me, like, it's just, it's such a comic book movie and i mean that in the best sense like it's so literally ripped from the pages i'm talking tone i'm talking color it it like you know it's just that kind of movie it's it's more of a i was gonna say thriller but not really it's more like a i guess you could argue like a war movie 
which is perfect for Cap. Uh, it, it just works. I think it just works. And then you have a war movie that's also a superhero movie. I think it's great. I, I wish Tommy Lee Jones was more uh, involved in Cap's story throughout the rest of this movie, uh, throughout the rest of uh, Cap's story, because I think he's a great character. You know, when he's like, you know, look at him, he, he's making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> you, stick a, you stick a needle in him, it'll go right through. <laughs> you know, he's just, he, he's a good, he's such a great character. But uh, I, yeah, I love everything about this movie. Uh, again, it, it wouldn't crack my top 10. There are just so many great movies uh, inside the MCU, but this one deserves a lot of respect. I think it sets up Captain America really well. Mm-hmm. You know my favorite line from my the funniest line from that towards the end from Tommy Lee Jones's character is after Cap and Peggy kiss, and then he looks over. I'm not kissing you. <laughs> well, for me, let me make this perfectly clear. This is a movie that I'm a little bit sick of because I've seen this probably five or six times in the last three years. Like KJ said, for Step Brothers, this is a movie you're just a little washed out on and you don't want to see for a while. That's me. I don't think this is a bad movie by any means, but I, if if one of you asked me to watch this right now, I'd probably throw up. Um, so I'm just a little worn out. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think it's a great origin story. Um, I still think it's a very enjoyable film. I do think it's one of the MCU's weaker ones um, because there are some very strong flaws inside of it. I guess very weak parts. I don't, I don't know. Um, especially, I, I can never get past the fact that you have this super serum that you want to use to help build a super soldier to fight in the war. And yes, there were some hesitations on making Steve Rogers the super soldier, but at the end of the day, that's what they decided to do. Okay, we all are in agreement that they needed to make a super soldier for the war. So then they make a super soldier, and instead of having him fight in the war, they have him doing shows and plays and musicals. I just, I, I'm sorry, there's no one that can convince me that that's not a huge writing issue. And it was like solely put in there for Cap's character and needing to prove himself and needing to prove everyone once again. But like that just, that makes zero sense to me that you'd make this super serum and then have your super soldier just do musicals. That makes zero sense to me. And it looks like I've stumped you guys well, as well. That's why Joe Johnson only. That's why Joe Johnston only did one movie, so. <laughs> right, so I can't, I can, that's something that will always hold the movie back for me. It completely contradicts everything they talk about in the first half of the movie, and I'm sorry, it holds it back. But well, still. Once, once again, Nathan is wrong, but okay. <laughs> Says the guy that doesn't like three billboards. What are you doing, one more? Yeah. We'll do two more, two more. Right. This is second to last one, and it is... Black Panther. Um, I'm going to start this off real quick just because I won't talk for very long. In my opinion, this is the best non-team-up MCU movie. Yes. We're talking not not Civil War and not the Avengers movies. This is the best just solo hero movie. Love everything about this. Um, When you talk about just the cast they got, of course Chadwick Boseman, of course Michael B. Jordan, but Daniel Kaluuya, Lupita Nyong'o, um, um, there's Whitaker. more who are Forrest Whitaker. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, 
just for supporting characters, they got these huge names. We can sit here forever and praise Michael B. Jordan because he's just such an incredible talent and praise, of course, the late Chadwick Boseman. But the supporting characters they got for this movie is insane. And I didn't really realize that until we, we rewatched it recently. I was like, holy hell, they got <laughs> so many big names for this movie. It's crazy. Um, I love everything about this movie. Again, this is a movie that people all of a the sudden, they loved it when they came out. Yes, nominated for Best Picture. Yes, it's incredible. And then in the last year, they've just, it's become popular to hate this movie for absolutely no reason. Like The Greatest Showman. I don't know what people they're doing because this is a fantastic movie. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts. Phoenix, take it away. Okay. Um, I love this movie. <laughs> like, okay, Black Panther, like Nathan just said, aside from the team-up movies, is without question the best solo uh, hero movie. Um, I think we talked earlier about the, the technical things on, on Oscar's side. One of the things I love about this movie is the technical things. It gets a lot of crap because that last, that third act has a lot of CGI in it and it looks really, really bad can't argue with that i think you're 100 right if that's your complaint that last third act is weird it's clunky it's messy totally agree but before then the costumes the cinematography the production design it is immaculate it is so freaking good and then you have this rich story i've, I've said this before if this wasn't a superhero movie it would still I think it would have had more leeway to become uh, to win Best Picture um, because you have this story about a king and a kingdom that had never been conquered, that had never been colonized. But you have this lost son of that kingdom who was left in another area where there's brutality and racism and, and all of this institutional thing bias against him. And he grows up in that system and he's bitter and he hates it, especially because the kingdom killed his father and he has so much revenge for it and, and hatred towards it and all he wants is to get back not even to, like I, I feel like ruling wasn't really his goal it was just so much hatred that he had for this 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 kingdom that had abandoned him he wanted to ruin it even if it meant you know just wiping everybody else out or or, or enslaving everyone else in other countries he just want he had that much hatred towards it that I feel is such a strong story. You have an incredible cast. And then and then it's also a superhero movie. You throw that into it and it's like, this is great. I love the fight scene in the casino. Probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Such a great film. I love this movie. All right, somebody else go. <laughs> KJ, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so basically agree with Everything that um you guys had to say. Are we considering Winter Soldier a non-solo movie, or is that still? I would I would consider that a non-team-up movie. Okay, well this will be number two then Ooh. for me. Um, but just based off of, I mean, in some ways I look at Black Panther and Thor in a very like similar light in the sense of like introducing like a new world. Um, granted, you know Wakanda's on Earth, but you know. Like something that we haven't seen before. Um, costumes, characters, personalities that we just 
haven't seen. Um, so they bring that to the table. And then the thing that Black Panther does um, is also add this very rich and good story. Um, these characters with history and feelings that all go into, I mean, their motivations and that all just goes right into their actions and how they think and what they do. Um, so I think that with that being just like purely on a movie standpoint, that is great. Um, and then also just the cultural impact that it had um, for a lot of people that are like me and like Phoenix, like this is the first time that we've seen somebody that looks like us in this setting. Um, it's our chance to like be a hero, somebody that we can connect with like, oh, Africa, there's a superhero here in Africa. Like, this is cool, this is crazy. Like something that we've just never seen before and it really is bringing a lot more people to the MCU um, or at least closer ties to the MCU because they feel like they see somebody like themselves. So I 100% I love this movie. Um, and I mean, yeah, it, it's just gonna go down in history. It's one of the best ones ever. I, I, I'll agree. Um, it's one of my favorite MCU films. Like it's not, it's not up there as one of the, well, okay. It's one of the best MCU films. Let me reword yes. that. It's, like I, I love the film to death. Um, I, I, I still don't know where to rank it though. <laughs> it's just that good of a film. Um, Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther, rest in peace. It's just fantastic. Um, I, I, I know it's, I can't, might be too soon to still talk about this. Do not recast Disney. Please do not recast. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's just hard to form the words, you know. It's just, it's just a beautiful film. Like Michael B. Jordan just gives a great performance as well. Um, he's a great villain. His death is fantastic. It's just a beautiful film. One thing, one qualm I do have with the film is the war rhinos. I just straight up started laughing, and that's because <laughs> he's like, "Don't do it." <laughs> Come rhinos! I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> but it's Alrighty. it's just funny. But um, yeah, overall, I just love this film. We are all uh, big supporters of Black Panther, as everyone should be. I don't understand where this recent hate is coming from. If you're a hater of this movie, you need to rethink uh, your movie watching. Hmm. Alrighty, we are moving on to our last one as the wheel gets smaller. Hey man. Oh, yes. <laughs> I am going to ask KJ to start us off because he specifically talked about this earlier. So go ahead. Yes, um, Iron Man, I mean, it's, it's what started it all. So we have to give it its props. Definitely flaws in the movie. Um, whether it being like the villain that makes no sense whatsoever and that I don't care about. Um, glad that they killed him off because if they would bring him back for anything else, it would, it would be horrible. Um, so that is that. Um, I think that started the whole, oh, we're going to have the hero fight somebody exactly like him. And you brought up like how Batman <laughs> fought somebody exactly like him. Well, this started with Iron Man. <laughs> like everything goes back to Iron Man. This is how that happened. Um, but overall, even beginning to start to see the character arc of Tony Stark, just from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, but then you could also look at his character arc from the beginning of the MCU now to the end of the MCU or Endgame at least of his 
Um, character arc is really crazy. Um, I believe the casting, just like we mentioned, um, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Captain America, that's perfect. I think Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, it doesn't get any better than that. He's right up there. Um, so just in general, movie is gonna go down. That's one of the best. Um, personally, I don't have it in my top 10, um, but you have to give it the respect, or I don't even have it in my top half. It might be in my lower third, to be completely honest. Um, but <laughs> as a movie and what it means to the MCU and just to um, the cinematic universe in general, it definitely, definitely deserves the props in that sense. Okay, I know Nathan said that I was rubbing off on you. I think now Nathan's rubbed off on you with his, wow. with his bad takes. Wow. That was crazy. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my God. Nathan, you and I were both wide eye, wide mouth on that one. Uh, <laughs> what, like, Okay, I'll I'll go. Uh, it's all right. We love we love the difference of opinions. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, okay, yeah, Iron Man. Obviously, it kicks off the entire MCU. You're 100 right. Robert Downey Jr. Perfect casting. Can't see anybody else being Iron Man. They even draw uh, Tony Stark like Robert Downey Jr. Now in the comics, it's ridiculous. Uh, perfect. All of that works. This movie does everything right. I, I, if you can remember back before 2008, the superhero movies that we got, which were awful, <laughs> like downright horrible. They were, they were some of the worst movies we'd ever gotten. Iron Man comes through and it literally changes, it changes the entire MCU. Like it changes the entire landscape of comic book films because here we have this unique story this unique individual with and he's not you know he's not a god he doesn't come from another planet you know he's he's a he's i wouldn't say he's an average guy he's a billionaire right and but he's a genius and he builds his own suit of armor to fight injustice that that i think what i love about it is that he was a weapons manufacturer he's creating weapons and then once he became a victim of those weapons then he decided to to change course. And it's just one of those things where it's like, it's such a societal thing where it's like, oh, it's a problem, but until it affects me, it's not a problem at all. So like, I think his arc is so believable and so real and so unique. It's, it's such a perfect, uh, it's such a great way to kick off. And it's, it, it lets you know that we're in a completely different era now when it comes to superhero stories that we're gonna, we're gonna start from a place that is incredibly relatable, is incredibly realistic, even though, you know, ultimately it ends with a guy in a hardware suit, you know, shooting pulsar blasts at tanks. Still, you know, <laughs> it's great. What you said about the villain, no. <laughs> Jeff Bridges is an incredible actor. I think you're right that, you know, he's, based off of Iron Man and they sort of like play off of that and that trope continues but probably not the most memorable villain but I still think a great villain for this first small story uh go ahead Nathan I, I, I'm actually gonna say go ahead Brandon oh yeah go ahead Brandon <laughs> um, <clears throat> I love this film um see if you were to watch this film in 2008 
And okay, let's just say, if you were to watch the show in 2008 and you showed someone from 2008 Endgame, you would be like, <laughs> where the hell did this story come from? But <laughs> goddamn, they do it. So, um, I absolutely love this film. Um, it's a great introduction for the MCU. Um, Robert Downey Jr. was the only casting choice they, for Iron Man. Um, I love his suit design. Um, props to John Favreau for putting the effort into actually wanting to get a good suit design for him. Um, I just absolutely love this film. Um, Jeff Bridges played a great role. Absolutely. Um, I love his Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps line because he just screams it at the guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how this guy came back too far from home, but they actually, they also made that happen. But yeah, overall, I just love Iron Man 1. Um, fantastic film. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Iron Man is number six for me overall, oh. which KJ... Uh, <laughs> KJ disagrees with, which is I would have it. I would have it at the midpoint. Okay, okay. Eleven, maybe, maybe ten. Ten. I think. I think this is a great film. I think this is probably this, along with Black Panther, would be the two films that if you were to just pluck out of the MCU and have it be on their own, just standalone film, would do the best and make the most sense. Um, Everything about this, I think, is fantastic. I think I gave it four and a half stars. whether uh, it, it definitely is a little slow uh, in the beginning, but I think just everything from a filmmaking perspective, from a story perspective, is wonderful. You know, I, I think that like I always love stories where the friend becomes the villain. I just think that's such a unique and cool thing, and I think it's handled really well by, of course, a great actor with Jeff Bridges, and of course the the one that started it all. Um, uh, yeah, I, I love the original Iron Man, and I, I think it's great. Too bad that they couldn't capture some of that magic and bring it into the sequels because those blow. But um, <laughs> yes, I'm talking to you, Iron Man 3. Even though you have a bunch of supporters, you still blow. Um, <laughs> so yes, love the original Iron Man. And uh, I guess we don't even have to do the wheel next time because we only have like six movies to talk about anyway. <laughs> but yeah. regardless, that was our MC discussion. Um, that was fun, boys. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Actually, was your film code this week, Brandon? So remind everyone what your uh, code word was and all of your clues, please. Yes, my uh, my film code was green. Um, it was a comedy film from the year 1990 to 2000, and one of the stars in the movie had a breakout role, and uh, one of the stars from Shrek had a breakout role in that movie. So. Um, KJ, I'm going to let you research a little bit, so we'll come to you last. Um, Nathan, what do you got? Okay, I just had it up. I'm going back to it because I forgot the name of it. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, I think this may be right, knowing you. Um, So, you could say Mike Myers had a breakout role in Shrek, but at the end of the day, he was Austin Powers before that. And I would venture to say that's a little bit more of a breakout role than, well, maybe not more, but, you know, he was already at least a little established. Um, The person that I'm going to go with is Eddie Murphy, who obviously voices Donkey, um, because just looking at his filmography through Shrek, 
or before Shrek. He obviously did Dr. Doolittle, which I know is beloved, but that has an awful score. And mostly all of Eddie Murphy's movies before Shrek have awful scores. Um, and I'm also not familiar with how big of a name he was before Shrek. So I am going to go with uh, 1999's Bowfinger with him and Steve Martin, which obviously fits a time period, fits the clue. Um, and the reason I think it is green um, is because it is directed by Frank Oz, who is Yoda. So I think that is green plays in. Um, maybe I'm wrong and the cover is green or the character's last name is green, but I'm going with Eddie Murphy in Bowfinger, directed by Yoda. Directed by Yoda. <laughs> Phoenix? Uh, you know what? I had the hardest time uh, with this. Uh, I really didn't have a pick, so I'm actually going to steal Nathan's. I'm going with Bowfinger as well. That's the only You're so thing that lame. makes You're sense. You're so lame. I, I got to piggyback off yours. I, 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 it, it is what it is. If I was you're going down, pick. I'm going down with you. Yeah, yeah. let's, let's do it. <laughs> KJ, KJ, what do you got, man? <laughs> Um, <laughs> we might all be going down together. <laughs> See, it's fine with KJ doing it because he had so little time to prepare. Phoenix, I expect more from you. Maybe I'll throw the nutty professor in there too. <laughs> That's in the 90s. All right, what what are you going with then? You going with oh, Bowfinger or or nutty professor? KJ? I'm going to go nutty professor. That's such an app. <laughs> I just want to say that you are all wrong. Oh, um, it was 1994's Jim Carrey's The Mask. Cameron Diaz had her breakout oh, role in that. On. How did they not get that? That's so. The mask was green. Right, right. <laughs> I I expected you guys to get that like that. Wow. Directed by Yoda is a better clue. Is it? <laughs> wow. That's oh awful. my goodness! All right, so what are we like seven weeks in a row now with no one getting it? Jeez, awful. we suck. I'm surprised. You guys, you guys had like a, a really good tangent there, Nathan. Wow, Phoenix, it's your can, code word next. Wow. Do you have anything? I do, and I forgot it. So I will send it in the group chat later. <laughs> That's all so right. It's okay. the first week I for I've not had mine prepared, but uh, I will have it. Uh, a few minutes from now. <laughs> All right, guys. This was a lot of fun. This is a insanely packed episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Brandon, where can the people find you? You guys can follow me. Find me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C-Ears on Twitter and Letterboxd. I am finally using Letterboxd to log my films, so please check me out over there. Um, another great episode. Great to talk movies with you guys. KJ, thank you for coming on, man. It, it was great to talk some movies with you, especially Marvel. Um but yeah, thank you guys for listening and watching. I personally myself have to go. I actually have to take care of some school stuff. So, all right, guys, thank you guys for having me on. It's been fun, and I will see you guys next week. All right, see you, Brandon, yep. man. See you, Brandon. Thanks. Bye, guys. Brandon. Phoenix. Phoenix, where can the people find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And on Letterbox under P.A. Cloudin. And uh, I also have to go so kj thanks again man we appreciate you coming in great job today uh love the episode i hope we get to hear more from you again man thanks so much and i'm out of here guys have a great night Alrighty, see ya
All right, KJ, it's just us now. So <laughs> where can the people find you? Thank you so much, first of all, for coming on and joining us. I know that, you know, gave you a little bit of late notice, but, you know, again, thank you so much for being here. We'll have you on again. Where can people find you? Yes, sir. So on Twitter at K-U-R-T-J-U-N-I-O-R underscore Kurt Jr. Um, find me on there. Nathan, I want to thank you for inviting me out and being able to talk with you all about movies getting me into star wars um and, you know i'm a listener of your podcast so me being on here is uh, is really a dream come true especially since we get to speak more so i'm looking forward to the next one my name is nathan pig you can follow me on letterbox at nathan pig we are doing a bunch of fincher rankings doing a ton of rankings we're going to do paul thomas anderson here soon so if you let me know you're a listener of the show i will follow you back that's something i will be happy to do just let me know however you listen to the show if you could please give us a five-star review give us a thumbs up however the rating system is please do that we're still growing as a podcast uh, a lot to us on the show if you could do that we have other content other episodes not just marvel and star wars we talked a bunch of stuff so please go ahead and check that out and i want to thank kj again thank brandon phoenix for being here and yeah this has been film code thank you guys